forgiven, the lost and forsaken, gather us in the blind and the lame, gather us in the rich and the haughty, gather us in the proud and the strong, gather us in and hold us forever, gather us in and make us your own, gather us in all peoples together, fire love in our flesh and our bones. Oh, and we have been gathered in, gathered in church from the four winds <laughs> to which we have been scattered these summer months. As Amy mentioned earlier, it was in the book of Exodus that God commanded the Hebrew people or reminded the Hebrew people, encouraged the Hebrew people to observe the festival of the ingathering at the turning of the year. And I was thinking about that phrase, turning of the years, and thinking about the number of years that we experience here at Seattle Mennonite Church turning. We experience that in several different ways. We experience it at the turning of the liturgical year. So each year at Advent, in preparation for Christmas, we begin a new liturgical year, and we mark that together as a community. Another turning of the year that we experience is the calendar year, and that one probably doesn't get mentioned or marked in any kind of significant way in worship, and yet our budget is on the calendar year, and so for the Stewardship Council and for Emily, who does good work in the office, that's a significant turning of the year for us at Seattle Mennonite Church. But I think the turning of the year that we feel most profoundly is this one. We call this our in-gathering Sunday as a sort of a homecoming, but homecoming makes you think of a football game and a dance. And we didn't really want to do a football game and a dance, although a dance sounds fun. Okay, maybe I just don't want to do football game. <laughs> Because I've heard this story that we scatter for summer, but I felt like we had robust sense of community this summer. Many of us who stick around or who dip in and out throughout the summer. But wow, I look out and I see it. I see the ingathering that has happened at this time of year. This time of year just after Labor Day weekend and the return to school and the start of our program year. And you can sense the energy and the excitement. Um, and it's not just for that piece of salads that are awaiting us for lunch. This is um, a particularly poignant turning of the year for me. As Amy mentioned, um, I've just passed my one-year anniversary. And so this marks the start of my second year of ministry among you. Uh, and I feel truly grateful for that. It was... Um, Last year at our in-gathering Sunday was my first Sunday with you. And there are lots of things about that worship service that I remember, but I think what I recall with um, the most profound sense of gratitude was um, the moment with the kids. And I don't know how many of you kids out there, the young ones, remember last year, but I recall that when you came forward for time with children with Amy, she asked you to offer words of blessing for me as your new pastor. And then she asked the congregation to add to the words that you had offered, you kids. 
And as you were saying those words of blessing, she wrote them on little hand stickers. And then do you remember what you did with those hand stickers? Does any kid out there remember what you did with those hand stickers last year at this time? Yeah? Do you recall? You put them all over me, didn't you? You covered me with hand stickers, with your words of blessing, and they were all over me. And I uh, went to my office after everybody had departed, and I was all alone at the end of my first Sunday as your pastor. And I carefully took each of those stickers off. And you know what I did with them, kids? I put them right on my desk. And there they've been all year long. I have those hand blessings, those words of blessings on the hand stickers that you put on me all over my desk. And so every day when I come into the office and every time I write a sermon and every time I write an email, I am surrounded by those blessings that you offered me. Thank you for that most amazing gift. I had um, sort of an emotional moment last Sunday in worship and I almost said something and then I didn't. I just decided to wait for this week. We were sitting in the round. Um, if you've been here in the last month or so, you know the chairs were sort of in the round. That started actually Camp Casey weekend when Ken and Beth led the gathered community here in collaborating on creating worship together. And so they had put the chairs in the round and we decided to just keep them that way for a few weeks, added a few extra rows. So I was sitting up in this section, which turned out to be the least popular section to sit in. <laughs> Um, but it was the best place to sit for singing, because you were all singing at me. Um, so I was sitting in this section and, and had a good view of the congregation, and um, I don't remember when it was or what was happening in the service. I know it was before I stood up to preach, because, like I said, I considered saying something at that time, but then didn't. Where um, I got sort of choked up, looking out and just noticing taking note of how different it is to look upon a congregation that I've shared a year of life and worship with. Um, how different it is than the first Sunday when I stood up here and sort of knew of some of you. <laughs> and now I sort of know of more of you. Um, looked out and recognized how many stories, more stories that I've heard from each of you and um, have met some of your significant people. Um, we've shared experiences together now, created some of our own stories and memories together. Uh, and it just feels like a really rich blessing to stand up here and look at a congregation that I am coming to know and more deeply love. I think I told you a year ago in that service, I offered a brief homily blessing, and I, I told you that you were puny and beloved. <laughs> and that's still true. <laughs> and knowing what I know of you now, I have experienced more deeply your belovedness. You 
given me lots of gifts, one of which has a very concrete um, expression, and that is uh, the most amazing binder put together by Rachel Miller when she solicited from all of you suggestions of your favorite walks, favorite hikes, favorite vistas, favorite um, coffee shops and bookstores and all sorts of things to do in Seattle. And I should have brought the binder with me, but it's sitting in a, a special place, a hallowed place um, on the shelf in my bedroom where I can pull it off when I'm in bed and think about next adventures. <laughs> so thank you for that, Don. I have begun, and um, thanks be to God, have not even come close to finishing our adventures here in Seattle. Before I launch just a bit into Luke 4, and I will do it just a bit, it says homily, not sermon, though this is a problem when I'm not speaking from a manuscript. <clears throat> I can be a little coitous. Uh, some of you have already noticed um, that I'm barefoot today. <laughs> that is because I was walking across the street to Bartels this morning when my sandal broke. And so I had two options to wear broken sandals today or to go barefoot. And I don't actually believe that um, God messes with our footwear. <laughs> But I am using the occasion of broken sandals on this most holy of days with you as an occasion to recall the command to remove your shoes for you are standing on holy ground. Indeed, any time we gather in in this place, it is holy ground, and today feels particularly so. We're going to hear Luke 4 both this week and next week. And um, part of the reason for that is because it's one of our central texts for the Jubilee season, this season of two years of discernment. And we're calling it the season of Jubilee because it just so happens that our 50th anniversary is in 2018. And so it felt as though God had set a table before us, and that table was Jubilee. So how do we take this gift from God, this lens of Jubilee, uh, and use that as a lens through which we do our discernment together? And tomorrow, Amy, uh, next Sunday, Amy is going to be preaching, and she's going to dig a little bit more into what it means that Jesus turned to the scroll of Isaiah into this particular passage, and what it means that he spoke it in this very particular way, and how that led from all the folks in his hometown looking on him and not being able to take their eyes off of him, their eyes fixed on him, and they were, he was so gracious and they loved him, to them uh, taking him to the brow of the hill with the intention of casting him off the hill, throwing him off a cliff, pretty literally. Amy's going to reflect a little bit more deeply on that, what all that has to do with Jesus' proclamation that Jubilee is fulfilled in their midst. And today, today we're going to linger for just a bit at the first sentence, the first sentence alone, in which Jesus returns to Nazareth, which was his hometown, and went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. This is Jesus' home community. And he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath. 
as was his custom. It was one of his practices. It was just to show up to the synagogue each week for the Sabbath day. So I've been thinking about that home community as a community that formed him, that shaped him into the prophet that he was already indeed becoming. It was a home community where he heard his mother, first of all, singing that revolutionary song about God overturning the social order, those who were lifted up being cast down and those being ca- who were cast down being lifted up. It's where Jesus uh, sang and prayed the psalms along with his community that, that sung and proclaimed of God's particular love for those who were oppressed. It's where, um, where Jesus was handed the words of a prophet and asked to read them aloud to the community. SMC, Seattle Mennonite Church, we pray too, is going to be a community of formation where we are each formed and shaped in particular ways that um, that not just our children, but certainly our children, our youngest ones, will be formed and shaped, but that all of us will continue to be formed and shaped into something slightly different than maybe what we would be if we never showed up at this place. I think um, of the curricula that we're going to be starting in the coming year, the youngest ones among us are going to be doing a peacemaking Curriculum. So kids in Sunday school, you're going to be reading stories, picture books, and also stories from the Bible all about making peace. And this is going to form and shape who you become. And adults, we're going to be doing a series on biblical jubilee, followed by a series on just peace. We will be formed and shaped in particular ways as we return week after week to this place as is our custom. I think about this place as where not just our primary, but our sole allegiance is pledged to God and to the way of Christ. This community where we haven't been singing the national anthem for a really long time. And where we have much to learn about showing up for racial justice and the particular witness that is being given on our football fields these days. This is a community where we are formed and shaped in these particular ways as we return week after week as is our custom. It's a community of formation where we too might turn to the words of a prophet and read them aloud to one another, reflect together, interpret them together, connect them to our life today as we return week after week here, as is our custom. It's a place where we are shaped into a body that in all sorts of ways is community for one another. So that when Thalia comes to church, as is her custom, and opens the gospel and reads. And Emily and and other little ones who show up here as is their custom and drop coins in the fish offering. And Sheldon and Janice who show up here as is their custom and greet 
all those who enter our door offering a word of welcome. The community where we are formed and shaped where we show up as is our custom to be body with one another. As we explore the end of Jesus in Nazareth next week, we do want to acknowledge this morning, too, that we pray this will be a community where we are formed to offer challenge and to be challenged. And in gratitude for this home community in which we are formed, we bring then our offerings. And so we prepare now for this time of bringing our offerings our monetary offerings, as well as our backpacks and timekeepers and other symbols of our work and our study and our avocations, because we hope and we pray that this will be a home community where we are not only formed, but will also be a home community, a place of offering and receiving abundant blessings from one another.